Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. Welcome to ID Podcast. 
Thank you for joining us on the show today. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. If you're new to the show, thank you for coming. You are in the right place to learn to improve your relationship, whether you're single, married, or dating, you or struggling. If you're struggling, you're certainly in the right place. So thank you for tuning in. Yes. And if uh, you are new to the show, I'm Sarah and... Yeah, I'm Chase. (laughs) We forget to introduce ourselves, but I feel like a fair amount of the people know us, but if you don't... But if you don't... Yeah. We are married, have been for what? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Been together for like eight and we have a two and a half year old daughter. And we started this podcast in order to get relationship advice for ourselves before we got married. We didn't really see what we wanted in the podcastosphere, as I call it out there. (laughs) There wasn't really anything available that appealed to us. So we're like, let's make our own. And here we are 150 something episodes in and we are loving getting the information for ourselves and giving it to you guys. And today is no different where we got some great stuff to share with you from Dr. Joe Court. And Joe is the author of four books. He specializes in couples therapy, sex therapy, and mixed orientation relationships. And uh, as I mentioned, he is a PhD and a therapist. So Joe gives us, he goes by Joe. I know it's a little informal to call the doctor, <laughs> but, but um, gives us some great information today on pornography and how to deal with it and navigate porn use in a relationship, particularly from the side of if one partner is discovers the other partner uh, looking at porn and maybe you don't already have an open conversation about pornography, then sometimes this can create problems. So um, yeah, Joe gives us some great tips to navigate it. Yeah. So whether you uh, have just recently found your partner's porn stash or maybe porn is already a part of your relationship, we talk about a lot of uh, different dialogues and conversations that you can have with your partner so that uh, everything is out in the open and uh, you can have a healthy relationship by communicating with each other. And one of the things that Joe talks about in the episode is creating a contract. So we'll go into it with more detail, but just like you would create a contract, a business contract, we've talked about contracts before on the show, but creating a contract in regards to porn usage in your in your relationship. Yeah, it's basically an agreement so that you are on the same page. And, and this is, we are definitely a sex positive podcast. So Porn use is perfectly fine, um, and and it's about being more open sexually, and and you can take your relationship to the next level. You don't need porn in your relationship, but it's just about talking about your sexuality, talking about your fantasies, your desires. So many times we don't do that, and that it's that lack of communication. It may not even necessarily be hurting the relationship. It it can certainly, but it's not allowing you to flourish and to take your relationship to the highest level. So a lot of great stuff from Joe today. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy today's show. Enjoy the show, guys. Today's show is brought to you by our Hood River Couples Retreat. Join us in Hood River, Oregon this summer, July 28th through August 2nd. The retreat is built to be the ultimate vacation for couples looking to have fun, try new things, and build a stronger relationship in paradise. We'll be doing activities like waterfall hikes, rafting, wine tastings, and so much more. 
For more information, visit our website at idopodcast.com slash hoodriver. Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Joe, we've given our listeners a bit of your history. Why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Um, you know, I think it comes from my childhood. I had a, a grew up in a family of divorce and high conflict divorce, actually. And I think I made a decision early on as uh, I was a child and then became a therapist that I'm just invested in helping couples, even if they don't stay together, um, be able to maintain some kind of friendly interaction, especially when there were children. So I, I've just always wanted to be work with couples. Well, we are definitely going to help a lot of couples today with our topic of what to do when you find your spouse. Uh, it doesn't have to be the male or the, or the female particularly, but uh, looking at porn and, and talking about this. Obviously, that's a specific situation, but we'll talk about this in a broader context. Um, obviously, with the internet, porn is more and more widely available. I mean, it's practic- it's in the palm of our hands with the cell phone. Let's talk about maybe first how pornography is affecting relationships and what its role can be in a relationship. Yeah, so one thing I always like to start out with people, um, when I start talking about porn and relationships, people uh, get sidetracked with, are you talking about child porn? Are you talking about human trafficking porn? And I want to make a really clear distinction that I'm not talking about either one of that type of porn. I know nothing about that. That's a a different subset of porn that uh, should be handled by, um, you know, uh, sex offender treatment providers. I'm talking about the low-hanging fruit of the kinds of porn that can just be grabbed easily off the internet, which would not necessarily be those two types of porn. And um, so I just like to say that right away because people get they hear the word porn and sometimes they have their own projection and their own reaction around it. Um, but given that, I forgot your question. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's an important distinction um, yeah. for sure, because those are serious uh, issues that should be addressed by a professional. Um, but how the uh, the other porn, just the mainstream or like more mainstream legal uh, porn, it is affecting uh, modern day relationships and how uh, it can be used. You know, it's not always a bad thing, but but uh, just what what the negative results can be and how we can just best deal with it. Right. So then we had the uh, governor of Utah um, come out and say that uh, we are in a porn health crisis. And then John Gottman, a a long-time research, who I have a lot of respect for, research marital therapist, came out and agreed that we have a porn health crisis. And... um, but the problem is, I don't agree with that at all, because if that were true, you'd see that porn health crisis in gay and lesbian couples, and you do not. You only see it in heterosexual couples. And my, my argument back to that is, it's not the porn, it's the porn illiteracy, it's the lack of sexual health conversations amongst couples in talking about porn. So they come into my office, and they start having, she, and it is in general in my office, it's she finds his porn, she discovers it. It looks nothing like her, and she has no. It's a world that she had no idea about. So she has a reaction, which is totally normal to have her reaction, whatever it is. Um, 
And then what I find out, and then she says, I want a poor, born-free home. I don't want this in our life. But the problem is, and this, I, I got this from Marty Klein, who's a, um, a very um, famous sex therapist, who says, couples fight over contracts they never made. And I'd say this to my couples, is that did you have a contract around porn and porn use? Did you have a conversation? And pretty much 99% of the straight couples, at least, that come in to my office say, no, we did not. And so then we start developing a contract. But to say that somebody's right or wrong over a contract that was never made isn't going to work. That's a good point. And there is a lot to unpack here. Um, It's interesting uh, the the governor of Utah and, and John Gottman, who we definitely cite a lot, saying that we have a porn health crisis, and then but not seeing that in in gay and lesbian couples, and and I don't have a huge body of research. I just have my experience in a relationship and in Western society, and it doesn't seem like it, it, I agree with you. It doesn't seem like it's this porn crisis, it's a sexuality crisis in being able to openly talk about our sexuality because we've had past shows and and discussions where it is such a, it's kind of, it's so taboo and and particularly in the U.S. and because you don't find it nearly as much in, in, in let's say Spain or or Brazil or more sexual cultures where you know, all the way down to, to sex ed and, 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 uh, you know, higher education uh, to bringing that into the adult, uh, relationship. So I, I definitely uh, agree with you. And so how can we, someone that, that has such a, a negative view of porn and, and certainly it can be a problem in a relationship if it's not, dealt with correctly and communicated about, but totally. how can we address like uh, just people's, I guess, initial repulsion when, when they hear, oh, my partner's looking at porn and, and they might feel betrayed um, or, or something like that? Yeah, so um, this is what I do. So what I say right away is I, I don't do it necessarily in this order because couples come in and they're very upset. Often women will say, it feels like I found him in bed with another woman. That's how um, personal it feels to her. And, and I understand that from women I've treated over the years saying that, you know, um, the way women are socialized, that they're comparing themselves to the porn uh, in, in a negative way, that they feel like they, we've been taught it's a cultural myth that we should be everything to our partner. So when we find them looking at porn, now I'm not everything to you. And it, it's, it starts breaking down and challenging in negative ways. But, but it's okay because they're negative beliefs. They're erroneous beliefs anyways. Um, and I, what I start with with the couple is now you've discovered you have erotic differences. And, you know, we don't talk about that in our culture. We don't talk about that in relationships. We talk about, okay, we, we're having sex. We're doing things that we enjoy. But what about the erotic differences, the things that get you aroused that don't get me aroused? And, and often what happens is when you learn this and it doesn't match your values or your comfort level, then people have a disgust response. So usually, again, I'm not just making sweeping generalizations, just happens to be that I see more straight couples and the woman is, woman is upset about it, she is having a disgust response because of the erotic differences she's now aware of between her and her boyfriend or husband. And then that becomes the place that I want them to talk. If, if the therapist or myself jump in and make it about the porn, you've lost the couple. You're not, you cannot help them because it, it's not about the porn. It's about what the porn has brought up for them. 
So how would you start that conversation, that dialogue with your clients, for example, to to talk about the differences in their um, erotic uh, v- viewpoints or how they, what they like in a relationship? How do you start that dialogue? So maybe the male or the female, whoever's looking at porn can say, hey, this is what I really like. And maybe the other person will agree or not agree, but at least the discussion is starting. Yes, which I love, right? So I, I first try to get away from pathologizing because a lot of women will say, you're either a sex addict or you're a pervert. And I'm not staying married to a pervert, but if you're a sex addict and you need help, then to, to give him an erotichectomy, basically, you know, get rid of that whole erotic. And I say, I jump right in and I say, that's not what's necessarily going to be helpful for the two of you. We need to not pathologize this, but to understand This is a conversation that didn't happen when you first got together. For gay couples, gay male couples, they talk openly right in the ad, their personal ad. What they get into, what they like sexually, it's culturally um, permissive to do that. In straight culture, it's not that way. Couples aren't doing that. And so I kind of do some education there is what I do. And try to non-pathologize the situation so that... And then I I work with her reactivity because it makes sense she feels this way. It's shocking. She can't help how she feels. So I, I I help her regulate herself better and help him have empathy for her that this happened and what's, what she's going through. Because a lot of straight men, this is what they do. When she finds his porn and she's very upset and she, she'll even have a betrayal response, like it's a trauma for her really. Understandably, he doesn't want that for her. That's not the goal of watching porn. The goal of watching porn is he likes watching porn for whatever reasons. And that's what we have to figure out in therapy. So what he often does is say, okay, I won't do this anymore. I'm sorry. I see you're hurt. Please, I'll just shut it down. It'll never happen again. I don't need porn. I just need you. That's what he believes in that moment, but it isn't true. And then eventually he goes back to porn, and then she finds it again. And now it's not about the porn at all. Now it's about the lie in the room. You lied to me. So I I tell my couples early on when straight men do this, I say, I really urge you not to do this because you probably are going to go back to you watching porn. And why does that have to be, why does it have to be one person's right and one person's wrong and one person's the police and the other person is the, the, what, what's the opposite of the police? You know, the, the person <laughs> the who's in, in charge, <laughs> you know, why can't this just be a conversation, an uncomfortable conversation, but a conversation. It is an interesting topic in, in its, uh, I guess from an anthropological perspective, I, I think it's, it's fascinating as a, as a culture because this isn't a problem, like I said, in, in cultures that are more open sexually. Uh, so I think I'd like to maybe talk a little bit about that because I think if we can understand the root of our feelings, then, then maybe it's going to be easier to, to navigate when, when you have that disgust response. And I, I personally think there's so much uh, shame around sexuality and that we have a, a sex negative culture. And so like as a young man, if, if you feel like you're, you're like breaking the law the first time you look at a playboy, you know, or, and, and then, and then, and then more explicit pornography. And it's, it's like as natural as breathing it, it sex is. And now we just have, this ability to be stimulated by other images, but that's been going on for thousands of years. I mean, there's, there's paintings on, on, uh, I mean, but I don't, I, I like to know like the real history, but I'm sure there's like 
cave art that that depicts yeah. pornography. You know what I mean? Like, yes. so I think if we if we can frame it that way, and that like just on an individual level, and if it's your partner, if you can be like, look, this is as natural as them breathing. Like, this isn't something that they need to be fixed or or that's wrong. And changing the discussion obviously that's a it's a much bigger thing we need to tackle through education and hopefully you know we can move in that direction over the coming years but to be a sex positive culture but i think framing that in your mind if if you're out there and our listener is like devastated that they they like pornography is this terrible thing and and you can't it's you know i don't want to negate their their feelings of betrayal but i think if you can understand the root of where this is coming from and that it's it's actually very natural then it's going to be easier to like open up that communication just like it is it's understood it's it's actually i sometimes i'll call it female privilege in the therapy room where women get um it's really geared toward the woman like so uh, think about this. It's sort of a non-issue that women are wa- are reading Twilight, the um, and watching the movies and reading the books and Shades of Grey, and they're now starting to call that. And actually, there's something called I always forget the name of this. It's fiction. I don't want to say fan fiction. It's something where women will take a story and they write it out online and they sexualize a Harry Potter a movie, um, some movie that's not sexual, Star Wars, and they'll they'll turn it into something sexual. This this has been going on for years for women. Forget what it's called, fandom. That's what it's called. I think I don't know, but what they're now starting to call all that is literature. And they're saying this is female porn for women. And what's different about it is more relational. It has a storyline. There are two people that are connected. And so we're sort of, we, we sort of go, oh, well, that's okay. I mean, that, it's relational. But when men look at porn, men don't want necessarily a storyline. They're not looking for to write it out. They're looking for the raw action between the two, and that's pathologized. So in some ways, the argument around porn is pathologizing male sexuality and privileging female sexuality. And I, and I don't like that up-down position. I, I like to look at how are both the man and the woman equal in this? It's just languaged differently. Certainly. And this is another, you know, it, we need like 10 podcasts to unpack the differences between <laughs> men and women. But it, and, and, and then... It, but it's certainly interesting in, in that that literature that's we'll have to we'll have to go online and try to find the uh, Harry Potter version <laughs> or Star Wars. But but yeah, it, men and women are different, and and that's an interesting observation in that in that uh, you know not like not prioritizing one or the other, like saying explicit you know internet porn a video is is a worse than than. The literature, um, they're, they're, neither of them are bad. Like we are expressing ourselves sexually, and 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 so I like I could we could just go back and forth on this because I think it's super interesting. But I think we've laid kind of a good foundation for for that background as brief as as we did. Maybe we can talk about like the the nuts and bolts of okay we porn is in the relationship and it was either talked about openly before or it was discovered on accident and it's a surprise to the partner um if it's a surprise and and uh, the the man or the woman is having betrayal feelings what is the the first thing they can do or talk about with their partner to to navigate forward uh in a good way all right good question 
So um, first thing would be to help her regulate and understand, okay, this is, this is happening, that um, this is not about her, um, and how to help her understand that men, um, I help them ed- educate that this is apples and oranges. Men may have the best marriage and the best sex life, and they're looking at porn at the same time, sort of normalizing this, that it's his way of getting variety and novelty and that we can't be everything to our partners. It's, it's impossible that even when she's reading her romance novel, she's, she's imagining herself with this other man in the book, and that's not a betrayal to the, to the relationship, even if it feels like that. Um, but then I have a whole thing around helping people understand what, why they're looking. So the porn she'll find, it's so upsetting to her. Like, what does this mean? Uh, it's a, it's a, I don't want him treating women like this. I don't want this kind of, it might be aggressive. It might be, you know, um, violent. It might be just outside of her comfort zone. And what I do is help people understand where do these fantasies come from? Most of us, if we get honest enough about our fantasies, can understand the roots of them from our childhood, that most of what we think about and then get aroused by comes from childhood. Things have gotten eroticized. And so, and I can give you examples of that. And I tell my couples some of these examples so that she can have more compassion and he can have more compassion toward himself about where this came from, that it's not some sick thing. It's, it comes from some purposeful thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you mind giving us uh, an example? Yeah, how how um, um, honest can I be on here? I mean, as I know it's a podcast, but can I? I won't be rude, but can I use tough yeah. sexual language? Or, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. just mark it as uh, explicit if necessary. <laughs> okay, yeah, you may have to. <laughs> okay, so I had this one man, and he really was uh, wanting to be in relationship, and but he and he would date, but he would find himself more compelled to be with hook, women in hookups where he was receiving oral sex. And he would, he would want to stop doing that because he really wanted to date, but he didn't want all these hookups. That's what he thought. But the hookups were really, really important, and the, getting the oral sex was really important. Well, that doesn't tell you anything. So he's getting oral sex. That, that could be in so many different ways. Is, he, is it relational? Is, he, is it objectifying her? Is he objectified? Is he involved in the oral sex, getting it? Is he working with her? Is she just servicing him? There are so many like questions about, you know, the details of what he's, what he's into that, that arouse him. And um, everybody will have a different arousal uh, interest in getting oral sex. For this guy, what he liked was um, it being very involved in oral sex to the point where he would be thrusting into her uh, mouth um, and then pulling in and out more aggressively with her permission. It's all consensual. And the, well, the peak erotic moment for him was when she couldn't breathe, those two seconds when he was inside, down in her throat, and then, be, and then he pulled out. So this can be a very erotic fantasy. It's consensual. There's nothing pathological or wrong, but it's interesting to me. Like, where does, that, where does that interest come from? How did he get that arousal interest? When we look back at his family, he was a child. He told me. He said, I was, I was loved. I said, I asked as a therapist, how were you loved? I was, fo- I was given food, shelter, and clothing. And um, I was made, it made, they made sure I went to school. And I said, that's great. That's great custodial care. And you can get that in foster care. So I'm glad you had that. And I'm not saying you weren't loved. But above and beyond, children need to know that they're loved above and beyond that. How, you know, did they put your report card on the fridge? Did they tell you you were special? Did they take a day away and just spend it with you? He said, no, it was none of that. I just had what I told you. And I said, well, 
I'm not a parent, but when parents talk to me, they say to me, their children take their breath away. Your parents, you didn't take their breath away. But what you do erotically is you take the woman's breath away. So you've righted the wrong. You've gone from victim to victor in that moment. And when he heard this and made this connection, it was profound. He started crying because he realized, not again to pathologize the erotic, but to understand where it came from. And so that began his work of, can he spend more time trying to take a woman's breath away, not just through oral sex, but through other ways? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, an interesting story and, and one that highlights that the, the complexity of our fantasies and of our minds and, and how much of who we are is formed in, in early childhood. And, and that goes, you know, we talk about it a lot on the show, how we relate to our partner, our attachment style, and then all the way down to our, our deepest sexual fantasies and and I think what our listeners and, and and myself what we can get from that is that yeah like uh, on first glance that you might say oh my gosh like that is especially again going back to to our uh, kind of uptight sexual society but but then you go like look this isn't like you said it's not some pathological like craziness there there are deep-seated roots to this. And I think when you're in a relationship, certainly understanding this for yourself, but then talking through it with a therapist and, and, and then talking through it with your partner, because your partner might be like initially like, whoa, like this is wrong. And, and it's like, well, you know, and, and you can work through those things, but, but communicating around it is, is going to make you both happier and, and truer to yourself. Crucial. So, so what are some other um, major issues that you see popping up once once this is uh, out in the open between a couple? Are there any things that make it harder for for one partner or the other to to accept, and that they really get stuck on? Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by FabFitFun. If you haven't heard of FabFitFun, it's a seasonal subscription box with full size, I repeat, full size beauty, fashion, fitness, and lifestyle products. The box retails for $49.99, but it always has a value of over $200. I haven't received my summer box yet because it's not yet revealed but I am dying to get it. And we're actually going back to Florida in a couple weeks and it'll be just in time to get my box. And I cannot wait to share the items with you guys. In last season's box, just to give you an idea, they had products uh, like Free People Eye Mask, beauty and skincare products from Kate Somerville and Tarte, a clutch by Rachel Pathy, and a ceramic mug by Aisha Curry and so much more. I spent like an hour on YouTube looking at all the reveal videos um, just because I'm so excited to get my box. So if you want to get your summer box, go to fabfitfun.com and use the promo code I do and you'll get $10 off your box, only making it $39.99. Again, that's fabfitfun.com and use the promo code I do to get $10 off. Oh, they just really get stuck on... Um 
They want to go back to the porn. They want to go back to, and I, I try to say, what is the porn bringing up for you? So like I had, a, I call, I talk about this other couple where they, I call them the tiny waist couple. He was erotically interested. And by the way, we have a sexual orientation to whom we're attracted to male, female, both, neither, you know, some people are into gender fluidity, but whatever you're attracted to whom you're attracted to. Then we have an erotic orientation, the things that get us off, the things that arouse us, okay? That's a whole separate thing. And so for this particular uh, couple, he was a heterosexual guy, interested in women. His erotic orientation was women with tiny waists. He met his wife. She had a tiny waist. They had great sex. They had a great romance. They married. Um, everything continued being great sexually. She, she had babies. Her waist expanded. They continued having great sex. They had an, uh, five times a week, different positions. They had sexual health conversations around being sexual with each other. She went into menopause. More uh, her waist expanded further. Still had great sex. She never even thought there was any problem because there wasn't until she found his porn, which was riddled with women with tiny waists. And so then she, you know, says he's a sex addict. They come in in crisis. And you know, she's crying in my office saying, what does this say about me? Because that's really the issue. What does this say about me? And my answer as a therapist in the most respectful way is nothing. It says nothing about you. He was still wanting your body. He still enjoyed your body. He still wanted you sexually. But now we have to turn, it's not this easy, by the way, right? This is many, many sessions. We have to turn this toward how you feel about your body and how women are conditioned to look at these women in porn or in the media and say, if I don't look like that, something's wrong with me. Where men, we get those messages too, but we don't take them to heart the way women do, where it's not pushed upon us in the same way. That becomes, And then having him have compassion for her around that. As a woman, I completely can see how that can be so hard on a relationship. And I think one important thing to remember, even if you get to a point with your partner where, you know, they've, they've found the porn, they discussed it, they've maybe created their contract, she's okay with it. I think the important thing to remember is that porn is not real life. So you can't compare like your body to the people in the porn or your sex life to the people in the porn because the porn, because it's not realistic. And I think viewing it that way can be really unhealthy for the relationship. So well said. And uh, what did you say that made me think about comparing? Oh, what do you, I can't remember, but it's really true. I agree with you. Thank you. And you know, I, I did want to touch on one more thing. You mentioned about the the uh, contract um, and not having the contract and couples that do, it goes so much more smoothly. What does a contract look like for our listeners who don't have one and, and maybe they want to uh, create one for their relationship? Yeah, these are great questions. So how it looks is this. So I'm going to look at porn. I want to look at porn. So let's talk about what, is, what kind of porn. Um, is it going to be just still images? Is it going to be movies? Is it going to be uh, point of view porn where in point of view porn you're watching somebody who looks like they're talking to you, uh, but, it, but it's not, if they're on camera, it's a, it's a uh, film, it's videotaped? Uh, is it somebody I can contact and say, hey, I'd like you to talk to me like this? Would you make a video like this? Can it be live where there's actually a person? They might be in Romania, but there's somebody I'm back and forth with. Can it be um, somebody that I watch that watches me? Um, and can it be webcam sex? So you're having like all these conversations about what's okay and what's not okay. And just because someone says no doesn't mean it's no. And just because someone says yes doesn't mean it's yes. It's a, it's a, com it's a difficult conversation. 
But you're, you, and I've worked with couples where they say, I'm uncomfortable. And then we talk about why are you uncomfortable? What does betrayal mean to you? What's the line that, that, um, that, that's crossed that makes you feel betrayed or un- insecure? And then they develop that contract, whatever that is, an agreement upon what they do. And if one or both don't follow one or both of some of those things, we don't, I don't call it cheating. I don't like that word. It's so negative. It's a break in the relationship contract. So somebody's broken that contract, and now we need to talk about what that means. And those are good to set in place for, for all areas of the relationship, like going to visit the in-laws, talk about how you're going mm-hmm. to, to set up a, an agreement. This works for me, this doesn't. Um, and, and things are just going to go much more smoothly if you're, if you're setting expectations, managing expectations, and, and putting those things in place ahead of time. Um, one of the things I want to touch on that you mentioned earlier that I think is really important is that we can't be everything for our partner. I think so much of what we are taught and, and socialized uh, about is that you find the one and in, in your soulmate and, and that they're going to fulfill like all of our needs. And that's just an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation to put on one person. And I think if you're, if you can realize that and you're going to be you're not going to be so offended if if your partner's looking at porn or 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 if your partner's hanging out with their friends because they need to socialize outside of the couple um it's a, i think it's an important um thing to emphasize it really is i love what you're saying and this is even true without porn let's say so then couples they don't talk about their erotic interests they kind of do things that they like doing, but there might be more, there might be kinky, they might have uh, positions they want to do, they might want to be more voyeuristic, exhibitionistic, and whatever. And so they have these erotic differences, and then they need to be talking about that without saying, well, you like that, but I'm not going to do that for you, and you can't go get that anywhere else, even online. And that's so unfair. It's like, you may feel that way, and you can say that, but that, that can't be the end of the story. That's not operating as a couple. That's what I try to help couples do. I never used to do this. I used to side with the most uncomfortable partner. And I was a sex addiction therapist, actually, and I, I regret it every day of my, my career of being that because I was side, I would look at this as the person with the sexual, um, uh, the person that hurt the other one through sexuality was the sex, sex addict. And that's not true. Yes, there's a hurt partner in the room, but that doesn't mean there's something wrong with the, the, the person who's engaging in sexuality that's um, that's uh, affecting the relationship. So where do you, this is getting to like uh, a bigger conversation of, of maybe like uh, open relationships or, or different versions of, of, uh, of coupledom, if you want to call it that, but where do you draw the line or how do you navigate that? If, if one partner is like, Hey, I want to explore, um, some sort of kinky sex and the other partner's not into it. And, and like you said, it, it's kind of unfair to say, well, you can't have that. But then it's like, well, isn't that what monogamy is all about? Is, and, and so and these conversations are, are changing and it, it, and it might just be that platforms like podcasts make it seem like it's, it's more widely um, talked about or accepted. But how do you navigate that? That's a great question. So then I'll say to the couples, 
Um, so why, why, why aren't you open to this? What does it bring up for you that he wants to do this or she wants to do, to do this? Um, I love Dan Savage. He's a sex educator, advice columnist and writer. And he says, you really need to be good giving in game for your client. So be, the, be good enough sexually, be giving and be game sort of up for, for anything and be open to things. So like I've dealt with men who um, enjoy being anally penetrated. And so um, they get the nerve to tell their female partner and she's disgusted. Does this mean you're gay? Does this mean, you know, uh, it makes me feel like you're less masculine? Okay, let's address all of that. And he still likes anal penetration. So what would it mean for you to put a strap-on on or use a sex toy and insert in him and provide him pleasure? I'm, I don't know. I'm disgusted. I can't do it. I actually had couples like this where we, we deal with what it brings up for her, the shame that he feels by just sharing this with him, her, I'm sorry, and then, um, you know, the bravery that it took for him to say it, the bravery it takes for her to be even willing. Because most women... And most people who are, I shouldn't say most women, it's just my practice. Most people want to shut it all down if they're not into it. And that's not an option if you have a partner who really wants this. Because then that means good sex for one partner, bad sex for the other. That's not fair. This should be that conversation. What I have found is if the partner who doesn't really want to do this embraces it and says, I'll try it. And I always say, stop it. Abort immediately if it becomes out of your values or you feel violated or whatever. But can you give it at least some thought and some um, attempts? And I've had many, many women come back and say that they were, they tell me they were never more aroused than when they engaged in this behavior that a partner wanted and um, found a part of their sexuality they never knew was there. I think the the broader theme here is, is being open with your partner and, and intimate because that's like the highest level of intimacy. Maybe if, if you, if you, Think about you know, sharing your deepest, and I don't want to say darkest because that has a negative connotation, but like these, and, and some people don't even explore that. Um, but, but certainly like being very introspective and then you have these feelings that you didn't even know were there. But then I think our tendency is to, to not tell our partner for, for fear of shame. And again, going back to what our culture sort of values and the sex negativity and, and and then that's an area of of your relationship that's closed off in an important area and it's not that you will have necessarily a bad relationship if it's closed off but this is about taking your relationship to the next level being more intimate and and more open and it's not easy to do but if one partner can can listen with with uh empathy and 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 compassion and and you might not be comfortable with it, but, but making sure you're not reacting with disgust and, and shame towards your partner, then, then you can move forward and, and open up areas of your relationship that, that are going to grow even deeper and more intimate and can be really a beautiful thing. Totally. Yes. Well said. We had um, a listener write in the other day and was curious on our opinion on this. And basically her little, her story was that she had recently gone and had some jealousy issues with her boyfriend because she found out he was using Instagram to look at pictures of girls in bikinis and, um, and those types of pictures. So it's Uh not pornography, but there's definitely a um, element of maybe she didn't quite trust him that he was uh, not being honest and she was jealous. So how can one address a situation like that? 
So, and what was he doing again? He was looking at in, uh, pictures of girls in bikinis on Instagram. Oh, I see. So social media so see, pictures. Yeah, they weren't even, it wasn't even porn, just social it media. And, yeah, but she kind of felt betrayed that he wasn't, uh, you know, that he was looking at other girls. And so I would, I would look at her and say, and I'm very neutral in, in, in the best way we could, what is it bringing up for you? You know, and so she might say, well, it makes me think that he wants that body. He doesn't like my body. You know, and we, he would be in the room. We would be talking about how that is probably not true. Um, what's true is he likes her body and that body. And he has a, a lot of different interests. These are some of those interests. And I would really be digging in for her about what it's bringing up. Because it's whatever those issues are, are going to be unique to her. That That's a good point. And as a... In- guy and and guys and girls are different it it is so easy to get trapped in social media in general but then especially you'll be scrolling through social media and you see a a picture of a a pretty girl and then all of a sudden you're you're looking you, you know the feed is designed to to give you more of those pictures and then i think we can fall into this trap of of in our minds like the grass is always greener like, oh, like, she's good looking. Man, I wonder what it'd be like. And, and it's all just, we're not necessarily acting on anything, but it's just like, it's fantasizing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it, in a broad sense, but I think it's important, like even personally, to keep in mind that like, yeah, but th- this is not real life. And the the tendency to be like, well, the grass is always greener. Like, oh, I'd be I, if I was single, I'd be having more sex. Or, you know, like, look at her and look at her. It's like it's it's easy to at least for me uh, to get into that mode and, instead of being like, well, no, like that's that's not the reality. And and just to try to keep that in check. Yes. And, um, and then these are the conversations that, that to, to have instead of just saying, well, he should be able to look at it and she should just tolerate it. Maybe, but that conversation. The other is she doesn't want you to. So what's that like for you to the partner that she doesn't want you to? And what does that bring up for you? And what's your erotic interest? What's her erotic interest? Sometimes it's about sex, historic sexual abuse, and it could be on both parts. Her historic sexual abuse, she feels violated, so it feels like a betrayal, and it brings her back to having been sexually abused. One in four women have been sexually abused as little girls. For him, looking at pornography, let's say it is compulsive. So we've been talking about it in normal ways, normative ways, but what about when it's compulsive? It's taking away from the relationship. He's doing it instead of her. He's watching it instead of her. That can be his own early sexual abuse that's been acting out. I call it returning to the scene of the sexual crime. So he's reenacting his abuse by um, compulsively feeling owned by the pornography. He might be watching pornography that, uh, that is similar to how he was abused. One in six boys have been sexually abused. So you want to be, I, I'm, I'm looking at all these factors and ruling them out. Wow, those are pretty shocking statistics. And, and yeah, it is, it is, we are complicated beings. And certainly our sexuality is a big part of who we are and certainly in relationships. And it is only going to get more and more uh, complicated and interesting with, with the advent of, of better technology and virtual sex. And I mean, 
we'll have you on in five years and guaranteed there's going to be like some crazy virtual sex out there that's like you're having <laughs> real sex and then the line gets a little bit blurrier but a lot of these same things will apply like that open communication and and being introspective so so we'll look forward to that that future conversation joe um but now we got to wrap up and why don't we have you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye Great, thank you. So um, they can go to my website. It's www.joecourt.com. And I've been doing a lot more writing. In fact, a recent article in July, I wrote about uh, heterosexual couples in these very situations. It's called All in, All in Love is... And, I forget what it's called. All in Sex and Love is Fair. And um, they can click on my articles and find it under sexuality. And um, yeah, so it's joecourt.com. Perfect. Well, we'll be sure to link to your website on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. And our listeners know to go there to check out all the great resources you've given us today. So thanks again for coming on the show. It was an excellent interview. Thank you very much for having me. I love talking about this. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. For more information and the links um, from the interview today, you can head on over to our website at idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab and it will be the first episode there. And while you're on our website, if you are interested in learning more information about our upcoming Hood River Couples Retreat, then click on the Retreat tab and you'll be able to find all the information on the retreat. It's going to be at the end of July this summer and we look forward to it um, with you guys. It's going to be an awesome couple days in Hood River. It's amazing there. So we hope you join us. And if you are on our website and you're looking for some resources or some tools for your relationship, we really encourage you to check out our 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge. It's a free challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days. And in each email is a doable challenge for that day to do within your relationship. And it's going to help you become stronger, more connected, more intimate. And uh, we know that you're going to enjoy it. We've had some great feedback from all you guys who have done it and uh, we're so happy that it has helped you in your relationship so again all that information is on our website at idopodcast.com head on over there and thanks so much for listening have a great day listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com